Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And we are live, Rangers and hockey fans. Thank you all so much for chiming in for another episode here at Rangers Review, either here on YouTube, on Morty NHL, or wherever you catch your podcast, probably the following day at the time of recording this now on September 23rd, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be breaking down all there is to know for the Rangers after what's been actually a really entertaining time. Now that we finally have gone out of that limbo of the offseason, we're actually getting set for the season. The preseason starts this weekend, but we'll be breaking down everything there is to know about how development camp has went, who are the key performance performers in both Steven's eyes and my eyes and really breaking down the captaincy for the Rangers as from Gerard Gallant may know it looks like we are going to have one definitely by opening day uh pardon me not opening day opening night for the Rangers so we'll see who ends up getting that we'll break down a little bit further and just some more things and exciting stuff about Steven actually being able to hit the states fairly soon something that we're all happy about if you guys don't know Steven does not reside in the United States he lives all the way out in Europe currently in Ireland but yes some exciting news. So let's just start with that, Stephen. And again, shout out to everybody that's here in the live stream right now that's watching this on YouTube. We appreciate all you guys chiming in. We'll be taking questions towards the end of the episode per usual. But yeah, exciting news. Let's start off on a good note here, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, got a lot of uh, texts and private messages on Monday when it was announced. Um, so yeah, uh, looking forward to flying to New York on either the 17th or the 18th. Um, and yeah, I'll be staying until December 4th, going to a couple of Ranger games, uh, driving up to Hartford for a Wolfpack game. Um, When's that? So, uh, the 20th of November, Saturday. Oh, are you doing, you, are you doing that just so you can see all the young prospects? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and, uh, celebrating Thanksgiving in New York for the first time in my life. What's so, Thanksgiving like where, where you reside? Yeah, I, I, there is there, no there isn't one right yeah so the, yeah for obvious reasons i just sound like an idiot but no less that that's cool though I'm i didn't want to say you, it but yeah <laughs> no i'm glad that you're able to do this now um with your yeah. fiance that's fantastic um so what uh what games are you intending to go to again this year for the rangers um two home games against the uh, sabers and islanders okay and i'm also trying to get tickets for the away game against the islanders new arena so you know check gotcha okay well i don't know i don't know when you and i are physically going to be able to meet but once we will it's going to be electric so i'm I'm looking forward to whenever that happens it has to be at some point we got to get the rangers review on the road right I'm, i'm i'm gonna be in new york for two and a half weeks we'll we'll figure something out Yes, absolutely. So again, that's exciting news for everybody just chiming in that's first listening to this. I'm really happy for Steven too, just because, you know, there's been nothing fun that's been going on the past year and a half now, almost pushing two years. So to see not just Steven, but I know there's other people that I'm connected to that live out in Europe that are going to be starting to travel to the States and actually be able to experience sporting events among other things. It's definitely an exciting time in my mind just to get further back to normalcy after what we've been dealing with for so long now. But now getting away from that, let's talk about the bulk of the convo here. And that's starting off with development camp best performances, right? Because as we know, the Rangers played the uh, Philadelphia Flyers twice. And I wasn't able to catch too much of those games. I do know, Stephen, I'll let you run away with the first game because I know the camera work was just absolutely horrid. Again, 
I we shouldn't expect anything better, right? You know, the Rangers have struggled so hard as it is just to get any type of footage that isn't like regular season out there to begin with. But yeah, yeah. Stephen, what was your take? Uh, game one and game two for that matter, and then tell me what player stats you, and I'll tell you what player stats me from all the homework I've done since then. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see some scrimmages uh, against other teams uh, with the Rangers not participating in Traverse City this year. Um, back-to-back scrimmages. Uh, the first one against the Flyers was very messy. Uh, I think they conceded three goals in the first 10 minutes. Uh, they, they came back, and then they lost, I think, 6-3. Um, but there were some positives in that game. Larry Pauyuniemi was a big one. Uh, so hold that thought on Laurie. I want to talk about Laurie a lot, but yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Will Cooley is is a guy that that really that really turned some heads. Uh, Zach Jones was probably the best defenseman in in those two scrimmages, um, and in the second one, um, the Rangers actually won three two, game winning goal by Nils Lundqvist. So he got his he got his goal in. Um, Matt Rempe was uh, was physically out there. Um, not a huge Matt Rempe fan, and not, nothing against him, but what he did there, I mean, that that's that's what he needs to do. You know, he needs he has the big frame. He needs to use his body there. Um, unfortunately, some injuries. Um, Austin Rushev. Uh, the season's Evan already Gillian. over, Stephen. Sorry, the season's already over. Everyone's hurt. Everyone's yeah, hurt. <laughs> um, no, unfortunately, but, you know, some guys that you know, I'm not. It's not. It, happens. it does happen. It's unfortunate, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, but yeah, the three standouts for me: uh, Will Cooley, number one. It's not even close. Zach Jones and um, and Laurie Pauyuniemi. Um, I like to see. And I think the guys that I expected to do well were doing well. I, I didn't expect Morgan Barron to to score like like six goals in two games. He's NHL ready. Um, for those players, for Morgan Barron, Niels Lundqvist, Braden Schneider, Matthew Robertson, Zach Jones, um, the games that really matter to them are the NHL preseason games, of which the first one starts on Sunday. Yeah, I- I'm glad you brought up pa- uh, Payunemi because let's just expand on him. Because as you guys know from our last episode, we haven't recorded a little bit just because of our schedules. But I knew there was a lot coming up with these scrimmages. And as I told you, Laurie was the was the main guy that I've been looking forward to here in this uh, development camp. Because again, uh, his goal scoring ability that we've seen so far in Finland, um, I feel like gets a little overlooked just because of how deep the uh, the Rangers prospect pool has been for quite a while now. But here he is scoring some goals in these scrimmages. I'm loving to see it. You know, his shot is definitely looking like something that could be incorporated in this Rangers lineup in the near future. Not necessarily this season, of course, but in the years going forward. I, I think after yeah. at least one full year in Hartford, we can see some promise. Zach Jones, let's talk about Zach for a minute too. Yeah, he he really looks like he commanded his own nice from everything that I saw. And would you say that, Will Cooley was not just potentially the biggest standout, but also a big surprise because I know like Will Cooley, we understand his resume. We understand what he brings, you know, the type of style that he is as he's, as he's viewed himself trying to be uh, Tom Wilson asked just without the whole Tom Wilson factor of who he is, and the, you know, the bad things he does, but you know, he was there. Were, it was obvious that he was making a difference every time he was on the ice. So would you like to expand a little bit more? further on well and just kind of the surprise i was a little i was a little taken back in a positive way on how yeah. it yeah uh, uh will will cooley 
um, is not a guy I expected to do this well. But I think what really helped him out was those 18 games he played in the AHL last season. I'm glad he brought that up. Yep. Um, yeah, the OHL was canceled. There were no games at all in the OHL. So he spent significant time with the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, and unfortunately, he's not AHL eligible this upcoming season because he's still too young. And the ex- exemption the uh, NHL and CHL agreed on, uh, he missed out by two games. You have to play at least 20 games last season to be eligible if you are too young to be uh, to be AHL eligible. Oh, Otherwise, of course. He just missed two or else he'd be already in, uh, yeah. in Hartford. If, if, if he turned 20 later this calendar year, like Braden Schneider, he would have been eligible to play for the Hartford Wolfpack. It's uh, that's stupid. Like, I, I get why they do it, but it's, it's, yeah, it's a rule that's been in place since the early 70s, I think. Um, so, for people who don't know, let me quickly explain the rule. Um, players drafted outside of the major junior league, so the WHL, the OHL, and QMJHL. Um, cannot play in the AHL, the American Hockey League, um, until they have either completed four full seasons in major juniors or if they turn 20 before December 31st of that calendar year. So Braden Schneider is 19. He turns 20, I think, in October. So he is eligible, even though he only completed three full seasons. A couple of years ago, the Rangers drafted Sean Day in the third round in 2016. Sean Day was AHL eligible uh, at age 19 because he was an um, um, exceptional status player in major junior. So he started playing at age 15. So he had completed his four full seasons, even though he was only 19 years old. There is a little caveat here because it's about players being drafted out of major juniors. The exception is players that were in major juniors on loan do not uh are not are not uh limited to play in the ahl rasmus sandin of the toronto maple leaves is an example and philip sadina they played in their draft year in the ohl on loan because they were still contracted to their teams in europe so when it comes to ahl eligibility any player that was drafted in the 2019 draft or prior is eligible any player uh from the 2020 draft that has that turns 20 years old later this calendar year is also eligible for the Rangers. That's Alexi Lafreniere and Braden Schneider. Okay. Um, so I'm glad, yeah. <coughs> pardon me. I'm glad you brought up in regards to Sean day as well with the exceptional stats. Cause that's something I think gets forgotten about a bit, but yeah, it, when it comes to the Wolfpack and the AHL system, I don't hate it. Like I said, I understand why they have it for a certain age limit, but I, I think it just personally bothers me more, especially when you have the unique situation where he was only out by two games. Like, why could it have been if you at least played 10, 15 games? But no, you have to play at least 20. You know, well, that- yeah, see, the, the threshold was determined after the season was over. If this threshold was determined months earlier when the season was still ongoing, and the Hartford Wolfpack had the opportunity to play Will Cooley for two more games, they probably would have. Yeah. Um, I do think last season it has awoken this debate again for the first time in in God knows how long. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of amendment to this rule where if uh, like every NHL team can have like one or two uh, players – that are ex- exempt from this limitation. 
Yeah, that would be nice, especially guys that you know, yeah. like or, because... or like like the transfer agreement has uh, ha- has a stipulation uh, with regards to eligibility for the AHL for first round picks. Maybe that can be something. If a player from from the CHL is drafted in the first round, one per team can play in the AHL. So for the Rangers last season. Uh, Braden Schneider would have been eligible. Yeah, I like that idea. <clears throat> especially if you have a situation where if there's two people, especially when you look at the draft, I understand that the natural concern with the AHL and wanting it for a certain age limit is because teams might push kids too soon, if you will, have them in an AHL environment when they're simply not prepared for it. Maybe mm-hmm. it's too much. But if you have that exemption, especially well, with players – that. So the re- the reason this rule was initially uh, implemented is because it's to avoid dilution uh, or to, to to avoid uh like the talent walking walking away from from major juniors at age 18. If okay. this so it's more so rule, on not it's more yeah. so on it um not hurting juniors versus yeah. the actual so, impact on the AHL. Exactly. And you okay. have players like Matt Barzal and Mark Shifley who played two full seasons in juniors after they were drafted and having those players still in your junior, in your junior leagues um, helps keep that at a, at a high level, but it also makes it worth it for these junior teams to invest in certain players. If you are going to invest uh, in the WHL Bantam draft, for instance, a, a top three pick on a 16 year old, with the risk that you're losing him in two years, you you, you give yourself two seasons to win. Yeah. So there's just really no window, um, and it would just be a crapshoot. Now at least you still have some some sort of some sort of planning, you know, in the stability, WHL, if you will, with the team. Some, it, yeah, exactly. There's there's a little little stability in there, and and um, I think that's important over you know in comparison towards like I'm someone who is not in favor of uh nba for instance on how you can be drafted you know your first year out of college or even there's players that simply don't i know that there was for a while where you wouldn't even have to go to college you'd be drafted out of high school i know that's the case with baseball but baseball takes a while to develop but you know especially from that college standpoint uh depending on what sport you're following you could be invested in the team every year but have a completely different roster configuration every year say they're a big name club for whatever sport and then they all be drafted especially basketball whereas you have juniors that way you can actually have an investment and actually have some some sort of commitment and that will also build up the following in my mind to a certain extent of those young stars as well within that area which will be beneficial to both sides yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, it's it's a it's a two sided coin, you know. Um, yeah, of course, these players want to play in the AHL because, you know, it's professional hockey. You get to earn a paycheck. Um, but I understand why the CHL put their foot down in the 70s and said, listen, we need some sort of safeguard to keep these players in our leagues, because otherwise, if those players are leaving at age 18, then the knock on effect it could have. Where, uh, is where uh, top prospects in the future wouldn't even go to the uh, to major juniors anymore. They would always go to the USHL or NCAA. Yeah, no, exactly, and uh, that's that's fair. Looking back on now, I'm glad that you broke down the reasoning is more so with juniors than it's with the impact when it comes to the AHL. But yeah, yeah. 
Uh, before we go further, I want to say thank you to everybody that's chiming in the episode right now. Anthony Antone, who's a great supporter on the channel here on YouTube, gave a $5 donation. Thank you so much for that, buddy. We appreciate it. And again, we'll be getting to questions towards the end of the segment. But to expand a little bit further here on the status of development camp uh, for the Rangers is that not just between Zach Jones, Will Cooley, and even others like Lori Parionemi, Morgan Barron, I like what I saw from him as well. Uh, Niels was always was also good to see. Uh, wasn't necessarily the best defenseman. I think that, as you alluded to as well, Zach Jones looked like the best on the blue line for the Rangers in those scrimmages at least. But it was nice to see Niels get a goal. Um, offensive production is something that I think we can expect a decent amount out of depending on – And it was a typical the- Niels Lundqvist goal too. Like, oh, of course. Yeah, coming right in the zone, the right side, and then sniping. So it was beautiful. The the question for both Nils Lundqvist and Laurie Parionyemi will be not is their shot good enough to beat NHL goalies, because it is. The question is, do they have enough time to get the shot off? Correct. And that that's, that's going to be the question. And we've seen this in the past where players have a certain skill set where a shot, for instance, is good enough for the NHL, but the game's just too fast for them. You know, they need that extra half a second to control the puck with their stick, and by then it's too late. You have Zdeno Chara breathing down your neck, for instance. Yeah. Um, so that, that'll be the key for players like Nils Lundqvist and Laurie Parionyemi. Um, what I'm looking forward to are the battles with, with the kids uh, for roster spots with the preseason coming up. The, the, on the right side of defense, it, it will be between Nils Lundqvist and Braden Schneider. Um, and on the left side of defense, there's one spot, in my opinion, that's still up for grabs, where Keandre Miller is the front runner, of course. But Zach Jones and Matthew Robertson are, are serious candidates. Um, I'm not saying that I, I wouldn't put my money on Jones or Robertson, but they're in it you know they they have a chance and they will fight for it they, they will play, probably play all all six preseason games or five preseason games and push Keandre Miller to to his limit to to keep that spot in the lineup and then on offense uh two forwards I'm most excited for to uh, the, the young forwards are Morgan Barron and Justin Richards I think those two are the closest to make the team Laurie Payuniemi is a top nine player or nothing. You know, he's not a player that that can that you can put on the fourth line like Morgan Barron or Justin Richards. Yeah, he doesn't have but, that two-way skill set. No, I think Laurie Payuniemi will have to wait his his chance. Uh if there's an injury or if there's a trade and a, a spot in the top nine opens up, he will have he will have to battle Julian Gauthier for that spot. And that's okay, though. And I'm, I think what's important, too, about as we are entering preseason now in these battles, uh, right, starting this weekend at the time we're recording this live right now, is that the defenseman is going to be so exciting, as you allude to. Keandre Miller, this is only, in my mind, going to help him because mm-hmm. to have these guys, young, promising stars, on it, really on his toes the entire time, you know, he's going to make sure that there's a little room for error. Now, while I do think that Keandre is a lock to be in the top six of defense for the Rangers this season, especially after how he performed last year, it wasn't it wasn't uh, lights out, but it was definitely promising at plenty of points throughout the short season. Um, Zach Jones, I mean, look, uh, we I've spoken glowingly about him. You've spoken glowingly about him. Matthew Robertson is one of those I think gets overlooked a lot too just because of the amount of depth this team currently has defensively. But – I think what will be very curious, too, is not just how these battles come 
in uh, once we get into preseason, but is Zach Jones or Matthew Robertson actually going to push the needle where Golan is going to have the bigger question that, that he needs to answer than what we initially realized? Like, mm-hmm. that's something that I feel hard-pressed hard to suggest is true. But again, uh, what's what will also be important is whoever doesn't make this team, you know, as much as I love Zach Jones and Matthew Robertson, I much prefer them to make sure that they're still playing in the AHL versus mm-hmm. being scratched, healthy scratch. That's I think that could potentially stunt. No, growth, no, of you know? course, and and the seven defensemen will not be Jones or Robertson. Mm-hmm. The seven defensemen will be Tenorti. Yeah, that's simple. Um, and I'm I'm if I had to put money on it, Keandre Miller is going to make the team out of camp. Yeah, I agree. However, yeah, why, why wouldn't you think that for the most part? However, I wouldn't be surprised if Keandre Miller at some point during the upcoming season spends a couple of weeks in Hartford. And that has nothing to do with Keandre Miller. He, he is NHL ready. But the things he needs to work on, sometimes you can work on it a little easier if you play in the AHL, where you know you, you play against the Providence Bruins, you go, you go there by bus, and the next day you're back in Hartford. Whereas if you're on the Rangers, you fly to Seattle, you play a game, and then you fly to San Jose, you play a game. Then you have one day off, so you're back in New York, and then you play a game at Madison Square Garden. And then after the game, you go straight to the airport because you have to fly to Tampa. There's no, you know, there, there, there's no days off where you can where you can spend some time with a skills coach or with a with a personal coach, even, you know, to work on those on those uh, aspects of your game that might need improving, and. It could be a similar situation as Philip Heedle. Um, in 2018-19, Philip Heedle played 75 games in the NHL. He was basically an NHL regular. And then the following season, he started in Hartford for, I think, two or three weeks. It wasn't that long, but he did start in Hartford. It's not unheard of. Shea Theodore uh, was sent down to the AHL when he had 50 NHL games under his belt, similar to Keandre Miller. Um However, for that to happen, either Zach Jones or Matthew Robertson has to push him out of the lineup. So a couple of things would have to happen for that for that to, you know, for that scenario to be true. Yeah, but materialize, yeah, yeah, for that to materialize. All I'm saying is I don't rule it out. Yeah, and I think that's fair because what's going to be uh, what I think we should be paying attention to with Keandre is is the sophomore slump going to be a thing. And how much of a factor is it going to be a thing too? Because it, it commonly happens with rookies. We've seen with defensemen as well. I could think, uh, you know, openly about um, Brady Shea to an extent. Because Brady, as we know, his rookie year with the Rangers had a forty-point season, and then he never put up the same offensive production in his career. And I know that it's a little bit different circumstances on how he was utilized, but still, no less, it's not outlandish to suggest that Keandre could find himself in a spot where maybe he does get a couple games, a cup of coffee in Hartford. I surely hope he doesn't, however, because if he does, then that means, you know, that he still has some things that he needs to refresh on, but I think he's going to be ready to go for sure. But Zach Jones is just enticing. And that's where the Rangers are going to be in a more and more difficult position by the day, not just throughout this upcoming season, but in the years going forward on just how deep this prospect depth is defensively. What are you going to do here? Are you going to trade away guys like you did before the Joey Keane, the Julian Gauthier deals of the world to address, you know, things of need, maybe center depth for the team? Like, or are you going to potentially draft what the Rangers are going to do? That is exactly what the Rangers are going to do. Yeah, that and that's and that's my impression I, as well. I just, I, don't just, know who, I, I just don't know who the player is they're going to trade away, but 
at some point, we are going to have to say goodbye to players that we've grown fond of, that we connected with during this rebuild. Correct. And they won't be part of this team when hopefully in two, three, four, five years, we lift the cup. Some players will not be part of that team. And same thing happened in 94. You know, Mike Gardner and Tony Amante were huge for the Rangers in the years leading up to 94. But when we finally got there and won the cup, they weren't there anymore. That's just that's that's just sports. That's just what happens. All, all uh, I hope for is that once we get to that point, that the Rangers obviously make the right decision because it's not like we just have you know one or two extra defensemen. We have a good chunk right now that are either yeah. just cracking the roster or just below them yeah. that you know you can make fair arguments for having any and any and every of them part of and, the future for the Rangers. Robertson and Schneider, I would I would say. On a large, uh, on a large portion of teams in the league, Robertson and Schneider would be top five prospects. If you if you if you would take players under twenty three, with fewer than a hundred NHL games, Lafreniere is number one, and then the next three in whatever order someone wants will be Kraftsoff, Miller, Lundqvist, and then. You get Schneider, Robertson, Jones, Barron. This this rebuild has been very successful, and some Ranger fans might not see it, but the the the, the luxury Chris Drury has is that he can just pick and choose which prospect he's going to trade for what he wants. And I've always said the LA Kings are a perfect trade partner for the Rangers. Oh yeah, it's it's a broken uh, record with all their center depth. It, it is. They have so many center prospects that would be a perfect fit for the Rangers. Um, they're, they're, they're not like like top-line players in the future, but they are good players that you can build on. Someone like Rasmus Kupari or Gabe Velarde or, you know, if you really want to go all out, Alex Turcotte. Because the, the centers they have, they still have Kopitar, they still have Dano. They got a bunch. They have uh, uh, Madden, uh, Akil Thomas, um, th- th- so many center prospects. They're like what what the Rangers have with defensemen, the Kings have with center prospects. It's it's yep. it's, it's an amazing. It's a match made in heaven. Whether uh, that happens, I don't know. Maybe they, they maybe they target an, another player, but the Rangers have assets to trade without it hurting their rebuild, and that's the big difference between the Rangers today and the Rangers ten years ago. When the Rangers 10 years ago started making trades, they were giving up depth players. They were giving up first-round picks. They were giving up the future. They gave, up, <laughs> they gave up Tim Erickson, who, yeah, Tim Erickson didn't work out in the NHL, but the moment he was traded in 2012, he was regarded yes. one, of the, one of the top defensive prospects in the world. Thank you. I'm and glad you brought that up. Because because the Rangers, time, that was a big deal. Yeah. A year prior, the Rangers gave up two second-round picks. Mm-hmm. Um Tim Erickson in 2012 was probably comparable to Nils Lundqvist, that 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 kind of hype. Um, and then Artem Anisimov, Brendan Dubinsky. Uh, yeah, they traded for St. Louis, but they gave up Ryan Callahan, so it didn't really do anything depth-wise, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but first-round pick, second-round pick, and then in the Yandel trade, you give up a first-round pick and you give up Anthony Duclair, who later becomes an All-Star uh, and has 20 goal seasons. Not not the superstar player that that the Washington Capitals gave up in Philip Forsberg, 
for Martin Erat, which is probably the worst trade in the NHL in the last 20, uh, 10 years. Yes. But you give up Anthony Duclair, who is a player that the Rangers really could have used in, in, in those years after the Yandel trade. Yeah, I will um, say, though, not to get on a tangent, it felt uh, just like Duclair didn't have a, a, a place to stay under Elaine Vigneault's system. And that, that went down with the frustration sure. of being, not being able to, sure. to develop. Because I really like Duclair. You know, I was a big fan of his. I still am to this day. Um, I'm yeah. glad they have stability in Florida now. But, yeah, uh, it, just, uh, you know, uh, devil's advocate here. Uh, I don't necessarily think that Anthony would have thrived under A.B. That's possible. But, look, to circle back to my point, the Rangers have so many assets to trade that they can they can trade away three top prospects and where, where it doesn't hurt them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely and right. And that's, that's why it's, I, it's, yeah. ex, it's exciting because the Rangers are just, you know, they have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to these decor prospects and how what ones are they going to prioritize. And it's really going to just be about, you know, a fight for the fittest. Who is going to, one, crack the roster, but yeah. two, who is going to impress the most during their time in Hartford where it's like, okay, you know, we, we're definitely still on the notion that we need to keep this guy in the organization. Or even you're still on the notion that, wow, this guy is so good but we, he still isn't better than anyone we currently have and will continue to have. So let's part ways with him and either a bigger deal, something that makes sense for a player that could come on the roster now in some aspect, most likely offensively, or in a scenario where you can at least part ways again with a prospect that fits the needs of what the Rangers uh, are looking for right now, which again is something like center depth. But um, now I want to get into a little bit further on preseason because as we know, there's a bunch of games coming up. Starting this weekend, this Sunday, uh, we're going to have the Rangers versus the Islanders. It's exciting. You know, normally preseason hockey isn't anything to get too amped about, but this whoa, year whoa, whoa, feels whoa. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. The wow. last three years, the preseason has been the perfect opportunity for Ranger fans to get familiar with, with the rebuild and with the prospects. I'm, I'm aware. I should have clarified. Normally, as in the sense of when you watch preseason hockey, like in yeah. general, I'm not referring yeah. to the rebuild years. Rebuild years, there's a difference, okay? But I'm saying the Rangers, we can still execute on this while the Rangers have a great prospect pool because they're not going to have it forever. Let's be real here. As they continue to grow together, we're not going to continue to see these young, exciting, fresh names that – um, that we built off of really since 2017 now. Well, but. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, the Boston Bruins have been contenders for over a decade. Correct. And, and during that decade where they were contenders, they they added David Pasternak, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Brendan Carlo, Jake DeBrusque. Uh, if the Rangers keep drafting the way they are now, because it's not just the top picks. It's not just Lafreniere and Kako. Oh, no, I'm aware. They, no, no, they got, I, I they, got, they got Miller and Lundqvist in the 20s. They got Barron, I think, in the sixth round. Um, those are exciting prospects. Zach Jones, a third round pick. Matthew oh, Robertson, second, second round, round pick. pick. Uh, Braden Schneider, 19th overall, yes. which is a pick you can end up with even if you're a playoff team and you're contending. Mm-hmm. If you make the playoffs and by some bad luck you are first round exit you pick in that 17 to 24 range that's where the bruins got Pasternak. you know that's where the capitals when the capitals were competing for years in the in the late in in the last couple of picks of the first round they really did well they got players like kuznetsov johansson uh burakovsky mcmichael that's uh, Con- 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 mcmichael recently 
So there is still value to be had in, in, in the later part of the first round. And there will still be, hopefully, prospects that, that we can get excited about. Oh, we drafted right at 19th overall. And, and you know, that that's if we can draft a player that will have the career of Chris Kreider, if we have a pick around 19 or 20th overall, I'll take that and run. Because for, for all the criticism Kreider gets, he's had a damn good career for a player drafted 19. Oh, especially to be more so in the latter half of the first. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But I think, though... We there was a there was a misunderstanding. I think you took it too literal because my point is that we ha- we have and we've had great prospects. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily know how long that's going to continue. So while you definitely could be right, you know, having top picks in the draft the past couple of years like we did, still having good picks in the first round and beyond, that like we've been fortunate to have the prospect pool that we have at this point. And this year will again be another showcase of just that. And more than anything, it'll be exciting because as you alluded to already, we had these battles for guys that after multiple years of developing within the organization, you know, either in parts of Europe or in juniors are now with the team and they're ready to make a splash either in Hartford or potentially on the Rangers roster, even if they just missed the cut. But we have the first game again against the Islanders. Then we have more games Tuesday, uh, the following Tuesday against Boston, then the Devils, Bruins again, Devils, Islanders, and now I'll do it. There's only six preseason games, I believe, before the season starts on October 13th. So, Stephen, uh, questioning you going into preseason right now. I know we've discussed the battles. I know what we're excited about. What are you expecting from the veterans? What what are you hoping to look for from Gerard Gallant? Because uh, if you haven't seen a Ray, Vince McCurgliano, if you guys don't know, absolutely, absolutely fantastic job on the beat for the Rangers. Did tweet out earlier today uh, the lineup configurations that we've seen at this point. And he said, well, take it with a major grain of salt. And I understand that people are already starting to overreact because, of course, you know, that's just how us Ranger fans go about things. Here was the lineups today. Let me know what your stances are on them as well uh, when it comes to these veterans. Kreider on the first line with Banjad and Lafreniere playing right wing. Uh, then we have Panarin, Strom, and Kako. Second line, that rounds out your top six. Gudro, Heedle, Kratsov, top nine. And then your final line is going to be uh, Blaze, Rooney, and Reeves. Defense is Lindgren and Fox, Mr. Norris, Miller and Truba, Nemeth and Niels. Defense, uh, I, that's exactly what I'm expecting once yeah. the first game of the season begins. Offensively, however, no Morgan Barron, no Julian Gauthier. Uh, Reeves is someone that I personally hope to see more so in turn matchups versus every game for obvious reasons. So what's your take on this? Uh, what do you like about it? What do you maybe not like about it? And again, what are you hoping to see from these veterans of the Rangers heading into the preseason? Um, if if this is the lineup on opening night, it is a cautious approach by Gerard Gallant, and I cannot blame him. Um, going with Kreider in the in the top six, moving Lafreniere to the right, and pushing uh, off to the third line, it can work. You know, you have Goudreau on that line with Heedle and Kraftsov. I don't hate it. Um, and yeah, by trading away Butchnevich, this is this is the the void that they created. I'm not I'm not gonna go into the trade itself because everything about that has already been said and and discussed at length. But you're trading away Butchnevich, who was at worst a 50 point player the last couple of years. Fantastic uh, two way player over 82 games. Yeah. Um, so you're you're basically freeing up a spot for Kraftsov and Kako to to walk into. By starting off with Kreider in the top six, I get it. You know, the first couple of games, you just want you just want to hit the ground running. But I don't think Kreider is going to end the season in the top six. 
I think Kreider is going to play a third-line role, same as Phil Kessel in, in Pittsburgh. The Penguins won two Stanley Cups with Phil Kessel on their third line, and he, he was paid $8 million and I think $6.8 million cap hit for the Penguins because uh, Toronto retained one2 Um it's, it's not a bad thing if you have a player like that on your third line. If anything, it just shows that you have depth. But and you Kraft, have a balance. You have a rotation, yeah. at least with your top nine, yeah. which is important. Kravtsov probably has to earn his spot in the top six, which is fine. Uh, how many Agreed. games has he played? 20? Yeah, he hasn't played many. Fine. He has to earn it. Fine. I think Kako has already earned it. The way he played last season, yeah, the, the, the points weren't necessarily there, but he played a really, really well-rounded game. Defensively, he was one of the top forwards in the league. He's going to get there. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see Lafreniere. excited to see Kako. Uh, defense, I think there's there's no surprises there. Expectation, like I said, is that Miller will make it uh, on opening night. Um, and Nemeth is going to make the team. Yeah, There's no way Nemeth is not making the team after they sign him for three years. Exactly. I agree with you. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting. I don't expect to see the veterans a lot in the six preseason games. Um, and the reason I say that is because the last couple of years I decided to dive into, you know, the preseason usage of players a little bit and the veterans, the players that have their spot basically guaranteed tend to play two or three games in preseason. They, they don't play all six. Uh, they'll probably play closer to the end. The first two, three games, you will see a lot of prospects. You will see some uh, Hartford Wolfpack depth players, uh, you know, like Alex Whalen. And in the past, I remember players, players like uh, Richard Nietzsche, um Matt Bodie. You know, those players you only see in the preseason. Um, what I what I'm interested in is to see if Brennan Othman can get a can get a preseason game in. Yeah, I know we were talking about that the past couple of weeks. You know, that'd be that'd be fun just because literally, why not? Right? Let's get a view on him early and get Ranger yeah. fans attached to him quick. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, Brennan Othman playing for the Flint Fibers. There was a rumor today that he wants to get traded to the Kingston. What's their name? Uh I'm just gonna refer to them as Kingston because I cannot think of are their they, name. Are they the ones that are the colors uh black and yellow? Yes. Uh yeah. and Shane Wright plays for them. Yeah, childhood friend of Brennan Hoffman. Why don't so, I know that? Uh Axe or something? Some someone someone's gonna tell us in the live stream in the chat. They'll tell us. We don't even uh, need to Google it. They'll do it for us. But David Walworth with the ten dollar super sticker. Thank you so much for that, David. Hi in the chat for David. We appreciate that. But yeah, Kingston yeah, Frontenax. Okay. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I don't follow the OHL. I follow the WHL, but uh, Maybe this year I'll start following the OHL because we have Othman, Veerling, and Cooley playing there. There's um, some incentive now versus exactly, Fire. yeah. And honestly, I don't, I don't remember the last time the Rangers had an exciting prospect in the OHL. Yeah, I know. We, I, again, we talked about that too. It's nice to see the Rangers actually um, indulging in the OHL a little bit more, just getting more yeah. acclimated. And we'll see. I'm curious if they're going to be. Uh, more relevant with that going forward, especially when you look at their scouting staff um, and how it's changed a little bit. So yeah. that that I'm curious about as well. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 a, it's a change in direction. Uh, the Rangers have uh, 
have made uh, about two years ago uh, or last year actually uh, when they hired uh, Chris Morehouse. Um, yes. He is now the director of, of scouting. Um, he's the son-in-law of John Davidson, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, now you have this push towards drafting junior players. I think it's also based on need. You know, you you got your star players. You got your, your technically gifted players. The players that tend to age well. You know, players like like Kravtsov, uh, uh, those players usually play until they're 35 to 40 at a high level. Whereas players like Cooley and Othman uh, are more like Orion Callahan, where they play for about nine to 10 years and then they fall off a cliff because their body is just done, like Brendan Dubinsky. Yeah. You know, their bodies can't keep up. So those players you should acquire in the later stages of your, of your rebuild. So those two groups line up perfectly. Yeah. No, you're right. And I think what uh, I'm personally looking forward to the most as we're entering preseason now is, you know, yes, the veteran aspect too, um, even though they're only going to have a couple of games and the battles, but can we both agree that this is just going to be, in my mind, a certain breath of fresh air. We're just seeing how Gerard Gallon is actually going to get this thing up and rolling. I mean, like it, we've, we've been weighing this for a while now, uh, seeing what it's going to be like to actually have a seasoned coach that actually you know knows what it takes to win again not stanley cup but he's gotten very close um well it's it's a coach that has proven in the past that he knows how to work with young talented players exactly this isn't this doesn't feel like the blindedness that i felt as a rangers fan watching elaine vigneault coach this club when it came look, to the pavel sandwiches of the world among others elaine vigneault is the type of coach you hire when you have to you know, when you're close, but you Correct. have to, yeah, you need a coach that puts yeah. you over the top. Exactly. Uh, he's like a hands-off kind of coach, which mm -hmm. works great if you have veteran leadership in the locker room. And the Rangers in 2014 and 2015 had plenty of that. They had Henrik Lundqvist, Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl, uh, Martin St. Louis, Brad Richards. They had the veteran leadership in the locker room. And Ellen Vigneault is a perfect coach for a team like that. Correct. The team we have now requires a coach uh, that has a different style, that has that's more hands-on. And Gerard Galland um, coached in Florida, where he worked with uh, Barkov and Huberdo, Trocek, Ekblad. Um, of course, he was the inaugural head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights and took them all the way to the Stanley Cup final in their first season. And look no what he did. Game. And look at what he did with a lot of those mm -hmm. youngsters. Like they, yeah. some of them had career years at this point, you know, like Juan Carlson, but, for example, w William, William Carlson, but other young, young players that really learned, they really, you know, learned a lot of, a lot of the important stuff under Gerard Gallant, like Alex Tuck yeah. and Shane Theodore was part is part of that team now who, in my opinion, is one of the best defensemen in the league, by the way. Still underrated. Still so underrated somehow. He's, he is he is underrated, yes. Um, but it's, it, we finally have a coach that not only has the experience you need, but it just feels like he's the right fit, you know? Um, yeah. I, before, not to cut you off, Stephen, but yeah. I want to say how I'm I'm intrigued about how his style is going to transition with this club because – when you look at the forefront, he really does check off a lot of the boxes of what our us Ranger fans are looking for. We're not just looking for a team that has aspirations to actually finally crack playoffs now and start to get out of this rebuild more so into building this core group that they have for the next five to ten years. But you have a guy, again, that understands 
what it's like from the younger side of things and is able to help develop and balance things more than anything. I can't stress enough how vital it is for myself as a fan. I'm sure you too, among many other Ranger fans or hockey fans that are chiming in right now, how consistency is what leads you to success more often than not, not just when it comes to line configuration, but giving the proper amount of time on ice to players that one are deserving of it, but two are, are your future. You know, Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco, Adam Fox, Niels Lundqvist. This is your future. This is your core group. This is what you're building around for years on end. So it's about time that they get as many opportunities as humanly possible. There is room for error. That's what we expect to see. Not everything is going to be, you know, uh, dandy and roses. Like, I expect things to go wrong, of course. I don't expect this to be a flawless year for the Rangers. But I want to see a culture built with them, with this core group, because it really did not feel like there was any sense of culture, if you get what I'm saying, over these past couple of years in this rebuild. There's no identity with this club. Yeah, yet. yeah, a lack of identity, I can see that. Um, what I've noticed is that just, there was no direction. Yep. You know, there was no, there was no clear, well, there was a clear goal, but there was no plan on how to reach that goal. Um. We also had a coach that had one gear. You know, there was only one one type of hockey that we played under David Quinn. And if you cannot adjust on the fly, opponents will find out and they'll hurt you. You know, they'll 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 beat you at your own game. Gerard Galland has the ability to uh, mi- midway through the game if things don't work make a couple of changes and have the team play a different style of hockey. Whereas under Quinn, it was always the same. Skate to the red line, dump the puck, forecheck. That was 95% of Rangers hockey the last three years. The remaining 5% was when Panarin had the puck. Mm -hmm. And I think under Galland, we'll see a more structured approach. We'll see players actually being confident because they are given the confidence by this coaching staff. Players will no longer be afraid to make mistakes. They will no longer be terrified that the puck bounces off their stick blade through no fault of their own. Let's Um, get some, let's get some aggressiveness with this team, not just from a physicality perspective, but actually when it comes to, you know, just commanding your own play, like, look, every team can, uh, controls their own fate at the end of the day, barring, you know, bad bounces and natural things that happen in the game of hockey. But I want to see this team actually come together as a group, back up one another, have that next man up mentality. Have, don't be afraid to defend your team, for one, something that, again, was heavily addressed this past offseason. So we'll see how that gels with the club. But also just have that intimidation factor where – I know when the Rangers play certain teams, I'm not feeling comfortable against them. Not so much because, you know, they're these big, bad, you know, players that, you know, you're scared that the team's going to just get absolutely ragdolled, but just the natural style of play between how balanced they are offensively and defensively. But knowing that once you reach a certain point in the game, you're shut down. Think about those Boston Bruins for a certain extent. They have the star power, but they also have a great balance of being able to make everything else work. The Tampa Bay Lightning, another great example, has been grittier than what you maybe originally think, and them helping them win back-to-back Stanley Cups. The New York Islanders, who in my mind are so John Tortorella-esque to this day, while they can't get over that hump to this point because they don't have those X factors offensively, they have done everything but that. They have gone this close to really getting where they want to be. Those are teams I don't enjoy playing because I know that they know how to shut a team down. 
Yeah, the Columbus Blue Jackets now remind me a lot of the Rangers in 2012. You know, they have the right mentality. They have the players who are willing to die on the ice. Um, they will block a puck with their face if they have to. But like the 2012 New York Rangers, the Columbus Blue Jackets don't have, like you said, that top-end talent. Exactly. And the Rangers didn't have it either in 2012. And that's why we came up short. We we didn't have the game-breaking talent that you need in the playoffs, that you need to win a series. Now the Rangers have that. You know, they have Panarin. They have Lafreniere and Kako coming up. They still have Zibanejad, who, yeah, he's getting a little older. He's getting close to 30. But still, he's he's a 30-40 goal scorer. Um, and now they're adding players like Sammy Blay and Barkley Goudreau, who, yeah, Barkley Goudreau might be a little bit overpaid, but that's the price you pay for a guy that has two Stanley Cup rings. No one's going to be complaining about it. This guy's an X factor for the Ranger come playoff time. And, and let's not forget, a year and a half ago, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning traded a first-round pick for Barkley Goudreau, and there were a lot of people, there were a lot of Lightning fans who were furious because they were like, why are we giving up a first-round pick for a guy who cannot even put up 20 points? And then what happened? <laughs> and I'm not saying Barkley Goudreau is the main reason they won a cup, but they added Goudreau, they added Blake Coleman, and this was after they were swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2019. And then the narrative flipped. And then and now they are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. And yes, it is also because of Kucherov and Braden Point, who is probably one of the most underrated players in the league. Even though he's one of the best players in the league. He he is. He is. He was a goal per game in the playoffs for about a month. That's what it feels like. He's been been the most clutch player in playoffs in recent history, for sure. Uh, Well, Kucherov put up up Gretzky-type numbers in the playoffs. Oh, oh, I know. But Uh, luckily for him in Tampa, he didn't have to worry about too much in in season. Uh, You know, he just had to – But they they have have those players at at the top, and – they rounded it out with players that they drafted. Um, I think what set the Tampa Bay Lightning apart for, from everyone else in the league, and I've mentioned this before, their development program they have in Syracuse with the Syracuse Crunch. Fantastic. That's what the Rangers need to need to need to learn from. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to figure out what the Syracuse Crunch is doing because you can talk about how well they are, how good they are at drafting. But, yeah, Braden Point, third-round pick, Andre Pilat, seventh-round pick, Kucherov, second-round pick. They all developed in Syracuse, and so did Tyler Johnson and Alex Alex Kalorn undrafted. No, Yanni Gord. Mm-hmm. Undrafted players developed the exact same way in Syracuse as the players that we consider good draft picks. Yeah. It's, it's not their drafting that's exceptional. It's good. It's not their drafting that's exceptional. The way they develop their players in the AHL. That's what I want from the Rangers. That's what I want from the Hartford Wolfpack. I want to have an environment where players are comfortable, where they develop into something useful for the Rangers. Before Philip Heedle, who was the last forward that actually developed in Hartford? Anisimov? Maybe. How long was... Wait. How long was Zook and Hartford? Well, Zuccarello went back and forth, but yeah. he didn't really improve in Hartford. He was just – because when he came over in 2010, 
he was already uh, an effective player in the NHL yeah. In, yeah. In, the, in the few games he he was given the opportunity. You know, yeah, there really isn't there really isn't a specific Ranger I'm thinking of that like has had a decent and, and, substantial impact in a while. Yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm talking about a player that that played in Hartford and that actually lit up the league that actually put up amazing numbers and and really improved. Before yeah. Filipino, I think we have to go back all the way to Artem Anisimov. I think so too. The Hartford Wolfpack is a graveyard for Ranger prospects. It's it's ridiculous. It, the narrative is changing now, which is great no, to no, see. Uh, it, look, it's hundred uh, percent changing. A couple of years ago, Chris Drury took over. Ken Jernander is out, so that's that's a big deal. Um, so hopefully things will change now, um, and hopefully they can put a system in place. They can put an environment in place where we can actually help help these kids grow into the players we need them to be. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Wolfpack continues continues to develop this year, which is going to be a massive development year for them, Mariana. Again, with these battles, with the guys that are not going to be making the Rangers having their first year of actual, you know, North American hockey in the AHL, that's going to be big, and it's exciting. You know, I I enjoy going to Wolfpack games. I I I don't I don't reside far whatsoever from the Phantoms uh, for the Flyers, so. I definitely like to catch every time the Wolfpack go up against them, but actually see. Oh, oh, young. Go ahead. Sorry, by the way, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms have the best quality video, uh, the best best camera quality in the AHL. Oh, it's nice. I've wa- I've watched it before. It's good, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like the what is it through like service electric? I'm forgetting. Right, I- like full HD, like proper coverage. It's like you're watching an NHL game. Yeah, almost. yeah. No, they they do they do a good job for sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, but, I enjoy. But, I, um, yeah, the, the the thing you said, it's it's true. The Rangers need the Hartford Wolfpack to be for them what the Syracuse Crunch is for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that and that's and that's I think what we're going to continue to get here over these next couple of years, which I'm I know I'm enticed by. Just knowing that these guys are actually a spot to succeed, one, but two, a lot of them are together. So part of the Rangers core group that's currently building that will continue to relationships are already being had here. You know what I think is going to benefit everyone. Like we we very well could be seeing a D pair for the Wolfpack this year. That very well could be a D pair for the Rangers. You know it's not outlandish to suggest that or these next couple of years, depending on how they go about their defensive pair configurations. But with that being said, um, I, I know you're excited for the preseason. I am too. And as we're kind of wrapping up things now here, before we get into q and I did want to talk about, and specifically one player that very well could find himself landing on the Rangers one day, uh, the one that I was happy once the Rangers drafted him. They call him, you know, nicknamed Buzzsaw from High Lookton Juniors. Let's talk quickly about Brett Berard. Uh, as we know, he was drafted by the Rangers last year. And I know you just did an interview with him that we can expect an article form at some point. And if you guys don't know, Stephen uh, does plenty of prospect interviews. We'll probably begin some type of form on the channel eventually. But for now, we're definitely uh, going to be supporting Stephen through Forever Blue Shirts, where he gets those articles posted. And he's always talking about it on his Twitter. Check him out. Stop, stop boy undercourse uh um underscore steven so steven what was how did the interview go today and uh any mm-hmm. kind of sneak peeks you could give us uh, any little uh fun notes to be had before you actually get this piece out um yeah brett barad has had an interesting uh 12 months since i last spoke to him uh you know he he won gold at the world juniors played with hunter skinner um he had his freshman year in college which was a little bit of a weird one, like it was for everyone else. No fans in the stands. Yeah, uh, you, you can hear a pin drop. 
games being canceled last minute. They had a couple of games against um, uh, UConn, uh, University of Connecticut, and yeah. they, they, you know, they, they he was telling me we so we we get to the rink, uh, you know, we get we get dressed, we go out for warm ups, and during warm ups they inform us that the game's canceled because Such a there was a, there was a positive case on on the other team. So that, it was such a weird season, uh, but he's really looking forward to his second year in college with the Providence Friars. Um, he has he has worked out in the offseason with a couple of very interesting names. Uh, uh, Matt Beneers, second overall pick for the Seattle Kraken. Alex Newhook, who was drafted by the Avalanche. Matt Boldy. Love, love who's Newhook. A, who's a Minnesota Wild prospect. Uh, so they're all from the Boston area. So they, they work out together over the summer. Um, so it was. It's interesting to hear how players spent their off season, how they prepare for the next season, um, and for for Brett Berard, uh, there was there's another link to the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, Ryan Martin, who was hired to be uh, yes. the assistant coach or general manager. Uh, is it assistant? Why am I thinking he's assistant? Let me, I know. Let me, I, I know. Quickly check this. I know Before he was. I, I know he was hired because I remember. Well, I make a fool of myself. I know he was hired. I just want to make sure I get the I get the the title right. Why yeah. So he's, he's the general manager for the Hartford Wolfpack now. Correct. Um, he was a he was a scout for the uh, team USA under twenty. Oh, there so you go. So he, Brad Berard, had extensive talks with him when he was uh, on their uh, summer showcase team, when he was on their uh, the training camp, preparing for the World Juniors. Um, so when, when he makes it to Hartford, and I think he will in the next two years, uh, we were talking about how there's already some familiar faces for him. So that's nice. Um, and the other thing that was interesting was that he uh, he looks forward to playing with his brother, Brady Berard, next year. Um, Brady Berard is draft eligible in the summer, and he committed to Providence as well. Oh, that's um, awesome. And that situation is similar to another Rangers prospect in college, Riley Hughes. I don't know if anyone remembers him. Yes, um, I do. He he actually Rangers, he got a little hyped up originally. Uh, yeah. I was hearing a lot of positive things about him when the Rangers first. The struggled. Rangers uh, in 2018 they traded a, a seventh round pick in 2019 for a seventh round pick in 2018, mm-hmm. solely to pick this guy. And uh, Riley Hughes is a player that actually played with Alex Newhook in the BCHL uh, up in uh, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, but his younger brother is named Jack Hughes, not the New Jersey Devils Jack Hughes, but yeah. uh, born in 2003, Jack Hughes. And he committed to Northeastern, so they will be playing together, two brothers, this season. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting to hear, you know, the differences and how he looks, how Brett Berard is looking forward to his first full season. And it got me thinking. Um I, I didn't really think about it before, and I didn't realize it, but this upcoming season is going to be the first full season in the NHL for Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren. I know. <laughs> Look, at it's it, it's still – And Capo They're going to have their first full season after three – after. are still after- just babies. Like, honestly, yeah. it's crazy knowing that Foxy, like, this is just year three for the man. Like, and not yeah. even – they've been – you can combine the past two seasons, you know, and mm-hmm. that's a, that's one full one for but the most it was- part. The first season was 70 games. The second season, 56. So we're finally getting to see what these guys can do over the course of a full season. Um, And the same is true in college for these kids. You know, they they get to play uh, against teams from other conferences, which wasn't the case last year. 
Um, but most interesting thing that Barar told me was uh, what he's been working on, uh, you know, on, 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 like on his physicality. He gained 10 pounds. Um, and I, I asked him about his skating. Has it changed or, or did it slow you down at all? But funny enough, it actually made him, according to him, according to his teammates, it made him even faster. So, well, yeah, it's good you, weight he's adding on, more strength, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good core strength that he's adding on, good, good weight. Uh, and if, if people remember uh, Brad Berard from the World Juniors last year, uh, he, was, he was the catalyst of that team. He was the motor on the third line. And that's not going to change. That's only going to get better. So Brad Berard is a very uh, interesting prospect. So remember that name. You're going to hear a lot about him in a few years. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more on that once you come out with your article. So, again, guys, make sure to check it out. Stephen will be updating us all on his prospect pieces that he comes out with on normally a weekly basis uh, for sure uh, through Forever Blue Shirts. But before we go further, again, thank you all so much, everybody that's chiming in for this episode 32 of Rangers Review. And then a couple uh, donations here, however. Brody, thank you so much. He's been a great supporter on the channel for a while now. Hope you've had a great summer, Rory. Thank you so much. Same to you, my friend. Just want to thank you and Stephen for the great commentary in the offseason. Let's go, Rangers. Oh, thank you kindly. That means a lot. Steve and I both really appreciate it's, that. Yeah, it's it's not always easy to uh, to think of content to talk about during the offseason, especially the month of August. Yeah, the month of August is where hockey goes to die. Absolutely, there's nothing to talk about. So, if we were able to to bring up something, if we were able to keep you guys listening and entertain you guys. Uh, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Same here. And Anthony, again, with another $5 donation. We appreciate that, buddy. Again, we appreciate you all. And now to kind of give back here, if you're watching this on the live stream right now, now it's time for open Q&A, guys, for the next 10 to 15 minutes of being live. So if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the Rangers as we're heading now into preseason, if you have any questions about the prospects right now, the players, lineup configuration, anything you want to talk about, we will gladly answer those. Um, so, again, we appreciate all you guys for being here. It does mean a lot. Uh, but before we go further, Stephen, um, question to you now. With the Rangers preseason beginning, what is one player you are excited to watch not named Niels Lundqvist? Because he's exempt in these discussions for obvious reasons. With you. Uh, it's obvious, of course. But, um, yeah, I, Will Cooley is, is an obvious answer because he was so good in, in prospect development camp. But I'm going to go with a player that wasn't in prospect development camp because he uh, he's a little bit older already. Yep. Uh, but still only 23 years old. Um, a player that has been in the organization for five years. Um, and he um, he had a really good season last season with the Hartford Wolfpack, uh, Ty Ronning. Yes. Yes, that's what I like to hear, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah. Shout out, shout Ty out Ronning, to Ty. Ty Ronning is a guy that, um, you know, needed a little bit longer to get to where he is right now. Um, but I look, and, and people say, oh, he's already 23. Let me remind you that when Zuccarello came over to the NHL, he was also 23. Hmm, and okay. and he still he still went back and forth between the NHL and OHL for three full full years before he became an NHL regular at age 26. Zuccarello did not become an NHL regular until he was 26. Let that let that sink in for a second. Yeah, it's easy to for it's I shouldn't say it's easy to forget, but you know Zuc's story is just amazing. Uh, playing uh, with Norway in the Olympics and getting noticed and everything that transpired uh, thereon. Um, Ty Ronning, however, I think I told you this story before. I'm, I've always been a big uh, fan of his. 
especially, you know, his final year in juniors. Yes, I know he was a little older uh, in the group, um, but still scoring 60-plus goals was nothing short of remarkable. Um, he's definitely one of those that I've looked up to. I, again, I love smaller statured players as it is because I myself am smaller statured. Uh, the one year I actually got a chance to play some ice hockey my senior year of high school, I wore number seven for him. Uh, one, it's my lucky number. Two, that was uh, his number at the time. So shout out to Ty Ronnie. Always been a big fan of his, a big supporter. Um, I don't know necessarily what his future holds when it comes to the Rangers organization, but I really do hope that he gets uh, more opportunity because he's a guy that, um, regardless on necessarily the point production he's putting up, one thing that I've learned from him quite quickly is that he really does hustle his tail off every single time he's out there, and that's always a good trait to have. And hopefully, can help him stay in the Rangers organization, and you know maybe maybe catch an NHL debut at some point. That would be fantastic um, for me, at least. Going now into preseason, there's a lot of guys that I told you I'm excited about, but I'm not going to pick Laurie Pauliunami like I did just for development camp because I already did that, and he he's definitely um, enticed me quite a bit. And there's one player that I'm looking forward to right now. Hmm. Forward or defenseman? Forward or defenseman? Hmm. I feel like it's so easy to go with a defenseman. No, no. The player you're thinking of is he a forward or a defenseman? That, that's what I'm trying. That's that's what I'm thinking oh, of okay. right now. You know, okay. I feel like there's just there's so many to choose from defensively. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go with defense, and I'm gonna stay on the trend like you with someone who has been with the Wolfpack but hasn't been with the Wolfpack nearly as long and someone that we actually had the belief would have even, you know, from what we learned, would have even cracked the Rangers roster to start the season last year. That was Tarmo Ronan. So I'm going to go with Tarmo. I'm curious what he's going to do because he's again, another guy that's pretty much in the shadows, if you will, of a lot of these younger up, up and coming Ranger defense prospects. He had a cup of coffee last year, as we know, and he's a guy that could very well be bouncing in and out of the line Rangers lineup, depending on injuries or, you know, whatever it may be. So I'm going to go with Tarmo. I liked him. I liked what I saw from him at spurts throughout the season last year when he was actually playing and what he did in Hartford. So I'm going to go with a, a very interesting pick. Definitely not a flashy or favorable one per se, but just one that, you know, I'm curious to see what he's going to bring this preseason. All right, I'm gonna do you a favor, and over the next over the next ten seconds, I'm gonna explain to you how to pronounce this name. Okay. Ray. Ray. You. Ray Uninen. Ray Uninen. Yeah. Ray Uninen. That's the closest you'll get as an as an English speaker. Yeah. Is there a way to pronounce it in like not English, like in Finnish? Do you uh, know how to pronounce it? Ray Uninen. Okay, so it really isn't much different. It's almost like you roll your R's. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's a European thing, but I, I can't roll my R's for my life. No, so Rayunanen is close enough. It's better than Runanen or Roynanen because I've heard so many variants. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. Anyway, questions. Yeah, what questions we got? I didn't. I didn't. I I was too caught up in the in the Tarmo talk. Okay, so, so let's see here. Uh, what's up, Black Thunder? Yo, worry, I'm finally able to join. Uh, you guys on a stream. I've been super busy with school, but fortunate to be here. Happy to have you here, my man. You've been a great supporter. Um, uh, let's see. Killer Inc. says, thank you, Staff Boy, Stephen Wardy. Awesome breakdowns always. Continue the great work. Watching live from Australia. Awesome. Wow. Happy to have Australia. you. Again, we have people from all over the place, especially when it's hockey coverage because that mm -hmm. literally you know, reaches out Sydney, everywhere. Australia. If it wasn't Waratah. obvious enough. Yeah. Sydney, Australia is Waratah's country. It's a rugby team. Oh, nice. So. Um, 
I also someone commented earlier. I think you saw it. I pinned it. I'm like, huh, is the guy on the right a Lafreniere fan or something? <laughs> Let's count. We got six. We got six Lafreniere jerseys right now. If you're watching here live and not uh, wherever you get your podcast, Steven has every basically Lafreniere jersey you can imagine. I love the, uh, is that trying to think, is that just striped the Navy blue and black or is that, yeah, just striped, Which right? Which one? The one right behind your head. Oh, that's uh, that's a, a special event jersey that I had a few years ago. Yeah, that's um, cool. yeah, and the number twenty-two with the with the red on the sleeves. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, this one. Yeah, is actually the jersey that was prepared for him for the QMJHL All Star Game against uh, Russia under eighteen. That's cool. Um, he suffered an injury, so he, he didn't play in the game, uh, but the jersey was still prepared and and. I managed to get my hands on it. It's a pretty cool. It's a pretty sweet jersey. Yeah, that that's sick. I, I love I love all of them. I, I got I got the normal reliable over here, but it still gets the job done with the Rangers home blue. Hey, it still works. Still, it's still Lafreniere. Yeah, it's still classy I for mean, sure. Uh, Lafreniere this upcoming season needs four points to become the highest scoring Lafreniere in Rangers history. I know you schmuck. I saw when you tweeted that. I'm like, of course you threw out a stupid statistic like that. <laughs> it's, it is funny though, that Alexi isn't the only one that is a Lafreniere Rangers history. So in, when, when, in, in 1988, 89, the Rangers go. had a player, Jason Lafreniere, who uh, I think he played like 80 games for the Rangers. Rangers legend. 24 points. How amazing would it have been though, if they were related though? Honestly, that would have been pretty cool. Honestly, I was hoping uh, Alexi would have gone with number 15 because of it, but he didn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, you cracked me up. Yeah, my brother saw you talk about that. He's like, of course, Steven tweeted this. Like, why wouldn't he? <laughs> Who else? <laughs> All right, so a couple more here. Uh, do I think Kreider uh, could ever be moved, and how hard will it be? Yeah. Yes, I think Kreider will be moved potentially, but a couple years from now. Uh, based on how his contract configure uh, his uh, contract setup is right now, when it comes to the no trade slash no move, but not right now, not right now. In a couple no, of years, I, I think the, the earliest he can be moved is twenty twenty two. Yeah, so it's still it's still at least a, um, another season away. Uh, and in my but, opinion, it's going to be the Dallas Stars in twenty twenty two or the Vegas Golden Knights in twenty twenty three, because he is the perfect replacement for either Joe Pavelski or Max Pacioretty on those teams. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. And Kreider ideally would go to a team that's still contending, you would assume. And they both play in a uh, state where there's no state income tax. So okay. that's for the signing bonuses, that's huge. Oh, okay. I was like, I was like, I didn't I don't know how much stock that is that's in for Kreider, but you know, that, that's a fair point. Okay. Yep. Um Alex here with Niels or Zach making open night roster. Yes. I, I think I think we can agree that no, unless- you have to choose one. You cannot just say yes. Niels no, or no, Zach. no, 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 no. Let me let me talk, Stephen. I think okay. that's gonna be Niels as mm-hmm. a lock. I don't think Niels doesn't crack this roster unless he somehow, some way, drastically underperforms, and that Zach just absolutely excels. Where they're like night and day. You know, Niels is expected to be on that third pair with Patrick Nemeth, and I feel confident saying that the Rangers did not have Niels this year yet. Patrick Nemeth would not be a New York Ranger because that Swedish connection that they have with another just to help with transition a little bit. So what would your take be here? Um, yeah, Niels, I would say 95% chance he makes the team unless he has an injury or unless Braden Schneider scores 15 goals in six uh, preseason games. I think Braden Schneider is going to play in the NHL this season. I just don't think it's going to be an opening night. 
Uh, and the same goes for Zach Jones. I think Zach Jones is going to play in the NHL this season, but it won't be opening night. I think you think Schneider night... is going to actually get a game this year? Sorry? You think Schneider is going to get get a game this year? Yeah, of course. Uh, there's injuries, you know. There's 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 stuff going on all the time. That's fair. But you put him ahead about uh, among other guys that are currently either seventh defensemen or even ones in the AHL, like Tarmo, for instance. You'd go that far? Um, yeah. If I have to rank our defensemen, I'm going to do this off the top of my head. So don't don't get mad if I skip. I'm, I'm going to get mad. Go ahead. One. Number one, Adam Fox, or sorry, Adam Norris, because he did you see he has a Norris nameplate? Yes, on his yes that was pretty funny. I love that. Amazing. Like the balls to do that. That's amazing. <laughs> Adam Norris, number one. Jacob Trubin, number two. Ryan Lindgren, number three. Um, and then it's between Lundqvist and Miller. I think they're very – I always have Lundqvist ahead of Miller because I think he's a slightly better player overall. So that's um, – yeah, so that's five. Um, and then Patrick Nemeth, who's, who's a starter. And then after that, it gets interesting. Um, the order I have them in is Braden Schneider, Zach Jones, Matthew Robertson, Tarmo Rionanen, Hunter Skinner, Jared Tenorti, Anthony, De- Anthony Batetto, Libor Hayek, Mason Gibson. I think Libor Hayek it will not play a game in the NHL for the Rangers this, this, this season. He should. There's no, there's no way. There's no way. Unless, unless we lose seven defensemen, there's no way he, he cracks the NHL lineup. I, I agree with you, and I think that's the best direction yeah. for the Rangers personally. You know, if they're gonna, in in a God forbid scenario where there are injuries that arise, where you know it's substantial defensively, um, I know that naturally uh, from a coach's instinct as well, you're gonna want to favor the veterans. But you know, g- give a cup of coffee coffee to Schneider, Jones, yeah. assuming he's not in the club yet. Guys that uh, start to prove their worth, if you will, even Robertson to an extent. Um, in the Wolfpack, so that that I think would be, and I think what also to not get on a tangent here, but we could find ourselves in a scenario where one of those three between Robertson, Schneider, and Jones, and I would assume Jones if he starts here in the Wolfpack, could just flat out dominate so bad in the AHL where they basically play their play themselves into the lineup at some point this year. Uh, you know, Nemeth, he might be on a three-year contract, but don't bet that he's going to be an absolute lock to play every single game if he's not performing especially. So um, while I definitely believe he'll be starting the year with the Rangers, he's another guy that you could look at for sure and be like, you know what, maybe he will be bouncing in and out of the lineup if he's not being consistent. The Rangers have a, have a plethora of options in this situation yeah, right now. And the, the upside with Zach Jones is the structure of his contract because he doesn't have performance bonuses in his contract. Mm-hmm. And with the Rangers being over the limit for performance bonuses, they have 3.1 million counting against the cap to start the season. Uh, for the uh, because the bo- bo- performance bonus cushion is only 7.5 percent of the total cap. Yeah, and the, which is 6.8, I think, or 6.1, and the total performance bonuses that they have on the team is 9.2. So 3.1 million counts against the, against the cap until those players are either off the team or those bonuses are no longer attainable. But Zach Jones doesn't have performance bonuses, so that makes it a little easier. If you if you want to play with the salary cap a little and you send down Morgan Barron, uh, Morgan Barron is a forward, you want to send down Nils Lundqvist or Keandre Miller, 
their their performance bonuses go away and you're replacing them with Zach Jones. That 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 could that could play a factor near the end of the season. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too. Uh, it's again, uh, there's a lot, there's a balancing act that's going on with some of these players too. And Jones, I'm gl- uh, the fact that you brought the performance bonuses is important as well. So, a couple more questions here before we get out of here in today's episode of Rangers Review, guys. Um, there's a couple comments I want to get here. What about uh, here? Hold on one second. There was like there's at least three I want to get to. What line mates uh, make Kako most thrive? Um, it's hard to answer that. I, I just think that as long as he's in the top six in a nutshell, I think he'll thrive for sure. Um, could he potentially do better uh, with Izbanjad per se than a Strom? Um, knowing that Panarin's on the left side, maybe. Uh, again, it, we're going to find out this year. I think that's what's almost most important. I think we're going to well, see Taco down on both lines. Is, I think the question is which which line in the top six benefits the most from Kako's two-way play? I would, from two way, assuming that cry with the assumption that Cryer starts the year again, first line, left side, I'm going to go with Panarin. And the reason why I say that is that line has been able to thrive so much with uh, the former Swiss Army knife and Jesper Vast. You know, they were able to really gel well while having a good balance of Panarin, who's the point getter, but it's obviously still passing first, even though he can shoot the puck like crazy. Yeah. Ryan Strom, who's actually more of a goal scorer than what the Iowa originally tell you. He can play himself in front of the net or, or make something happen offensively to really balance things. But then Kako is the one that could really grind things out along the boards, but also have a good offensive impact. And again, cross-crease passes from Panarin, who's one of the best in all of hockey when it comes to that, could set up Kako easily for a one tee in that right dot. So yeah. I, I'm pro- I'd probably go uh, the Breadman and Strom line, uh, but again, I think he'd have plenty of success on both. Yeah, um, either way, Kako is going to be in the top six. Um, I, I think the Panarin line is the best fit for him. Agreed. Um, okay, couple more here. What's the story with Georgiev? I heard he wanted to be traded. Yeah, that's been uh, buried since then. I think that his agent came out or someone along those lines saying, you know, that's just done with. So whatever original aspirations there were to be traded, that's just that's in a stalemate right now. Yeah. The Rangers are going to go into the year with Georgiev as their number two. Um, and hopefully for his sake, he has a good bounce back year. And hopefully um, having Keith, Keith Kincaid in the thick of things might, you know, put a little bit more fire under Georgiev too. Again, look, he had stuff that happened that was, you know, out of hockey as well last year. Him not being consistent during the season too. A lot of things went wrong for Georgiev last year. I hope for the best that he can just mentally get to where he needs to be, assuming, hoping that he's already there and that this can be a tandem like we've seen uh, from uh, not this past season, but the year before that. I think he's going to get traded next, next summer because – uh, you cannot afford uh, a backup goalie making more than $2 million when you have uh, Kako and Fox and and other players to, uh, to And with the word coming out that they're going to sign Zibanejad to an extension, they need every penny they can get out of, out of the salary cap. Yeah. So, yeah, um, no, they, I agree. I think, I think they're just hoping uh, Tyler Wall can can make that next step to uh, to become a backup goalie in the NHL. I think I think he's going to get there for sure. 
um, yeah. at, at least for the time being, once that once that arrives with uh, Yuryev's departure, assumed departure, no less. But all right, folks, that's going to do it for questions for this episode. And we're going to leave you with one final segment, just because as we announced earlier and didn't really touch on too much, because we talked about it in previous episodes and you guys went away with it in the chat and the comments, a captain will be announced soon. So according to Gerard Gallant, I think it was today or yesterday, uh, over this past day, no less. He said, you know, if I was a betting man, um, I would definitely say that there will be a captain by the by the start of the season. So that's all you need to know in regards to captaincy. I believe it's going to be Chris Kreider. I'm going to stand by that until I'm proven otherwise. Um, Steven, do you, you, you think it's going to be Kreider, right? I think it's going to be Kreider with the second candidate being Jacob Truba. Okay. So you, you think it will be Kreider for the C and Truba will have one of the alternates? And who will have the second alternate? Zabanajet. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 already I has one. Yeah. I think that's fine with me. So that's yeah. kind of just a, a quick update on the captaincy for people that still don't still feel up in the air as if it's going to happen or not. Yeah. I mean, when you have the head coach openly say that, you know, if I'm a betting man, it's going to happen. Um, I, I'm pretty confident we're going to get a captain. Very Before soon. we go, quick, the Rangers announced some uh, something about Roger Bear today. Yes, they did. Thank you for bringing that up, Stephen. Yes, the Rangers are going to be paying homage to Roger Bear, Mr. Ranger, for the entirety of the season. So I'm assuming they'll be having a patch probably of his number yeah. or a sticker on their helmet. Maybe No, no, it'll, it'll be a patch. It'll be a patch on the jersey. Perfect. Um, they'll have a special warm-up jerseys on opening night. Uh, the design that they had in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, they will all have Gilbert number seven on the back. Those jerseys will be sold for uh, um, yeah, they will, the, the, the um, proceeds will be donated to the Garden of Dreams. Um, and they are announcing a Raw Gilbert Award, which will be handed out to the player that best exemplifies leadership on and off the ice every year on the Rangers. Oh, that's okay. So it's kind of like a captain award, if you will, on a year-to-year -year basis. Mm, yeah, yeah. You, meh, I guess you could call it that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I like that. You know, I we love the, we love the awards that happen every year, as it is between you know yeah. the team's MVP, uh, the Steve McDonald Award. You know, all those things. So add another one in there. I think that's perfect and a, a great way to pay respects to Mr. Ranger yeah. and Roger Bear, who passed away uh, j just around a month or so ago now. Um, but yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you brought that up, Stephen, for sure. Uh, any final words before we get out of here in today's episode? Um, do you want to do predictions for the first game? Ah, why the hell not? Okay. Uh, first game, Rangers-Islanders. I am going to go Rangers win 4-2. Okay. I'm going to go with a 4-3 Islanders win. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. This, this is I just assuming them. that's mostly prospects playing. Yeah, yeah. So, not that I want them to to lose to the Islanders, but you know, this is a preseason. I, I can live with. The preseason is really difficult to to predict because how many prospects are you are you putting in your lineup? How many prospects is uh, is the other team going to put in their lineup? You know, are they, are they going to put Parisi in the lineup because you know they want to see what he can do? It's uh, I just want to see a lot of goals and and I want to see the kids do well. Yeah. As long as the kids do well and we see a lot of goals, then I think we'll be satisfied either way. So uh, yeah. great stuff there from Steven and great stuff from everyone that chimed in this episode of Rangers Review. Number 32 already with plenty more coming and leading into the season and so much more. So, again, thank you all so much for watching and listening. Wherever you get your podcast, folks, we'll be back again uh, probably sometime next week after uh, at least a couple preseason games were in place, and we'll see how the Rangers were doing at that point. But until then, talk to you guys soon. And, Steven. 
Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.